0: All right. Well, thank you guys for sharing that, and there are so many other testimonies that, of things that God did at retreat. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to be back, though. I'm excited to kind of dive into what God has for us on the campus. So it's fun to go off to uh, retreats like that and experience God in a powerful way, but I think what God really wants out of these retreats is not for us, you know, just to have powerful experiences there, but for it to actually translate into life change, or change, to translate into different habits and and different choices in our lifestyle. And for me, uh, my first fall retreat was in 2011. So I was a freshman, and I remember I got drugged there, and then God just did some incredible things in my life, and and I found freedom from addiction. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and God did some just amazing things. But the cool thing about that fall retreat was the changes that happened in my life afterwards. So I began uh, to read my Bible for the first time. I never really read it before. I began to pray in the Spirit. I began to pray. Actively, as I walked to classes, I began to share my faith. You know, God just like really translated the retreat from uh, from the things that happened there into my daily life. So, really, what I want to do tonight is talk about that. Talk about how we can encounter Jesus in a powerful way at an event like this, even tonight, or even at a fall retreat. But then actually see it translate into life change. Because I think sometimes what we do is we experience Jesus at small groups or at a Tuesday night gathering or at a retreat. But then the rest of the week, it's kind of like we're not really talking to Jesus. We're not really walking in uh, power. We're not really walking in holiness. And then we come back to a Tuesday night gathering or a small group or retreat. We feel excited again, and and then we kind of drift again, and just kind of like this back and forth. And my prayer for us is that that God would help us to not just be excited in high-energy environments, although I love that. Like, I loved what happened at retreat, but to be consistent, to be consistently devoted to him, to be... Uh, consistent with the things that he asked us to do. So uh, with that said, tonight we're going to continue our series uh, called Encounters with Jesus, and we're just going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how we remain devoted to Jesus outside of uh, the high energy environments, how we uh, remain devoted to Jesus when there's like 10 tests coming up and we cannot seem to think about him at all because we have so much going on. Uh, We're going to talk about that. So uh, last week we began this series, and the whole idea of this series, or the whole thing we're trying to do is to take a look in the the Gospels, which are just the stories of Jesus, of his life and ministry, and see how he interacted with people, see how he encountered people, look at some of these different popular stories, but then specifically uh, to look at how people responded to him when they encountered him, to try to apply that to our lives and say, hey, if this person responded to Jesus in this way, then maybe we should respond to Jesus in this way. So last week, we looked at Luke chapter 5, and there's this powerful encounter where Jesus approaches a tax collector named Levi, and Jesus... You know, calls him to come and follow him. And Levi, who's very wealthy, leaves his job, he leaves all his possessions, and he follows Jesus. And he doesn't only do that, but he also throws a party and invites all his friends who are tax collectors and sinners as well to come and hang out with Jesus. So we kind of talked about how, or how when we encounter Jesus, we should do two things. One, we should leave our old life and then walk in the new life. And then also, we should invite our friends to encounter Jesus as well. So that was last week. And now tonight, we're going to look at Luke uh, chapter seven. So we're just going to flip a few chapters over we're going to be in verses 36 through 50. And this is a story of a woman who was profoundly impacted by Jesus. We actually don't see her first interaction with Jesus. We don't know what happened, but in this passage she comes to Jesus and she pours it all out on his feet. She just like lays it all out there. And we're going to look at this to see how when we encounter Jesus, it doesn't just stop at the initial encounter, right? It doesn't just stop with, you know, God healing us like he powerfully did through Allie and Betsy. But it translates into devotion. It translates into a lifelong commitment to follow Jesus daily. So we're going to look at that. And yeah, so let's just look at that really quick. So Luke chapter 7 verses 36 through 50. I'm going to read it to us. It says this, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet and weeping, she began to wet his feet up with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. And now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have, or he would have known who this was and what sort of woman this is who's touching him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answering him said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, Teacher. Verse forty one says, A certain or certain moneylender had two debtors, and one owed five hundred denarii, and the other owed fifty. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. And now which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, The one I supposed for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. All right, so the main idea tonight is this. I know that's a long passage, but I think it was important. So the main idea is this. An encounter with Jesus causes something to happen. It causes us to be fiercely devoted to him. And I use that word on purpose, fiercely, because it really is this fierce, passionate commitment to Jesus, all right? So that's the main idea tonight. We're going to talk about that for a few minutes. But before we do that, I want to pray. Spirit of God, we ask you to be here tonight. Spirit, we ask you to speak to us. I pray that truly an encounter would happen tonight with you. Spirit, I just ask you to, or to speak uh, directly to each heart in this room. God, I pray that you would reveal uh, some, or some areas of sin, perhaps, or, or maybe uh, reveal some fears in our hearts. And I pray that you would fill that space with healing and forgiveness and that you would do something truly supernatural tonight in each heart. So, God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So verses thirty-six through thirty-eight again. It talks about how this Pharisee's having a party, and then a woman comes in and says, "A woman of the city," and she and she learned that Jesus was in the house, so she brings this alabaster flask of ointment. Okay. And she stands behind Jesus at his feet. She weeps. She uh, wets his feet with her tears. Like this is like kind of nasty, honestly. She's you know wiping uh, them with the hair of her head and she's kissing his feet, and those feet are stinky, okay? So you don't understand, but feet back then were stinky because you didn't have nice shoes and socks like we have, right? You walk around with sandals, and you didn't wash your feet very often, okay? So she's kissing his feet. She's anointing them with ointment. So this tells us something, all right? So this is the first point tonight. When you encounter the real Jesus, okay? So, so when you encounter this Jesus who's like a lion, right? He's the Lion of Judah, this Jesus who's fiercely loving, and he's also just. When you encounter this powerful Jesus, something happens. This is what happens. When you encounter him, you want to stay close to him. You can't fathom encountering him and then just saying, okay, bye Jesus. I'll see you next year at fall retreat. And instead you encounter him and you say, I want to come back for more. I'm not going to settle for just a little bit of Jesus. I want some more of that Jesus because he's good. So when it says a woman of the city, it's it's, it's saying that she was a prostitute, okay? So, or so this woman was a prostitute. She hears of this gathering happening where Jesus is going to be, and she comes into the house. And that sounds kind of strange, right? Like, think about just a prostitute walking into your house. There's a little bit different, though, back then. Like, uh, this would have been open to the public, okay? So it's not like she's just barging in, but it still took a lot of courage for her to come into a Pharisee's house. So picture this modern uh, day today. There's a a pastor, he's having a Christian party, and then a prostitute just comes in, right? So, like, like, like this is kind of bizarre what happens. She comes in, and she brings this alabaster flask of ointment. So this isn't just any uh, type of ointment. It's not like she's got some aloe vera, and she's just pouring it on Jesus' feet. Like, this is expensive stuff. This is this would have cost her probably, or probably most, her, or most of her wages. And, and she comes to Jesus, and she anoints his feet with this expensive ointment. And she becomes so overwhelmed. I think at first she probably said, okay, I'm just going to anoint his feet. But she becomes so overwhelmed that she begins to cry at his feet. She begins to wipe his feet with her hair. Like like this is devotion that's happening here. She is laying it all out there for Jesus. She's laying everything out there for him. So it's safe to say that she probably had some type of encounter with him before this. Like you don't just come in and start wiping your hair on some random dude's feet, right? So at some point, Jesus probably healed her or touched her or taught to a crowd that she was in. And, and she's so full of gratitude that she wants to come, or come back and encounter Jesus again. So this gives us an important principle. And the principle is this. When you encounter Jesus, you are never content with just that first encounter. Like if you really encounter him in a powerful way, you should want to come back for more. You should want to keep coming back to his feet. Because at Jesus' feet, at Jesus's feet, you find peace. You find peace joy, and you find comfort, you find life. Jesus is magnetic. Jesus, in his presence, is the best place to be. It's better than the new Avenger movie. It's better than the best concert you've ever been to. At Jesus' feet, that's where everything seems to be okay. And she wanted to come back and stay close to Jesus. So oftentimes, we try to sustain our relationship with Jesus off of big events, like we go to maybe camp growing up or, or maybe fall retreat or winter conference or a mission trip and, or Tuesday night service, and we try to sustain our relationship with Jesus from event to event to event to event. And it's exhausting because you go to these events, you're like, yeah, I'm going to totally give up that sin. I'm going to stop looking at pornography. And then you go home, two days later, you're looking at pornography again two days later, you don't really care about Jesus that much anymore. You feel guilty. You feel shameful. And then you go back to Chi Alpha. Like, maybe it takes you a few weeks because you feel guilty. You come back, you're like, yeah, I'm giving it all to Jesus. And you drift right back into the way you were before. That's what often happens. And it's kind of like we're trying to live paycheck to paycheck when Jesus has given us an opportunity to make deposits into our savings account. And the way you do that is through spending time with Jesus each and every morning. Each and every day, you say, I'm going to start my day by being with Jesus. Because, like, Jesus is not just here at these services. There's nothing special because besides the fact that there's two or three gathered here tonight that are Christians. That's what the Bible says. It says where two or three are gathered, then Jesus will be there with them. That's the only thing that's special about tonight. And I'm telling you guys, like, you could grab another Christian, and there could be two of you hanging out with him, right? And then Jesus would be there just as powerfully as he is here. There's nothing special about this place. And, and Jesus, or Jesus wants us to keep coming back to him each and every day. It's also important. It's also important. So here's the thing. Some of us try to have our emotions sustain our relationship with God. Like, we're feeling great, then God is good, baby. God is awesome. Woo! Then we're not feeling good. That depression's starting to come back in. That anxiety's starting to bubble up. And all of a sudden, we're like, oh, I don't know what I think about God anymore. And all of a sudden, the anxiety's gone for a little bit. And I'm speaking from experience, right? I struggle with anxiety. So if anyone in here tonight struggles with that, I felt like... So I'm not trying to do this just because Sean did it this weekend, but I seriously felt like as I was sitting over there that somebody came in tonight with some serious anxiety. Serious anxiety. The whole time during worship, you weren't worshiping because your anxiety was raging, and God wants to speak peace over you tonight, okay? So I'm not, like, saying that's a passing thing. Like, that's not a big deal. That is a big deal. But sometimes we are just kind of thrown to and fro by our emotions, and God says to us, he says, you don't have to be susceptible to your emotions. Like, your relationship with him does not have to to rely on your emotions. It doesn't. Your relationship can actually be put on truth, can stand on truth. So Matthew 7, 24 through 27 says this. It says, Everyone then who, who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does or does not do them will be like a foolish man who's built his house on the sand, and the rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Sometimes we try to build our relationship with God on sand, like the sand of a Tuesday night gathering, the sand of a small group, which are great. I believe in these things. Like, I'm sad when you don't come. Like, I see it when you're not here. I'm like, oh, I wish you he was here tonight. So I want you to be here, but if you're just building your relationship with God off of retreats and events, it's like building it on sand. But Jesus calls us to build it on a rock, and that's through a personal relationship with him. God does not want you to have a relationship with him through other people. He wants you to have a direct relationship with him. He's calling you into that. And the way to do that, the best way to do that is to read the Bible daily. Daily Bible reading. It's found study after study after study tells us that the main thing that contributes to someone living like Jesus and following Jesus for a lifetime is daily Bible reading. That's the main way. It's above church attendance, although you should attend church. It's above small groups, although you should go to small groups. It's above having a great worship experience, although you should have great worship experiences. The main thing that's going to keep you following Jesus for a lifetime is daily Bible reading. So God is calling us into that. And and the reason we should read the Bible every day is because when we read the Bible, it helps us to counteract the lies of Satan. Because here's the thing. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says this. It says, Be sober mindful and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, Prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The devil does not want you to have a relationship with Jesus. He does not want you to have peace. He does not want you to have joy. He does not want you to have comfort. So he attacks you every single day and you don't even realize it. He's saying you're not worthy. He's saying you have to be susceptible to your emotions. Because you're not feeling it today, God must not love you. He continues to deposit lies into your heart and into your spirit. And the best way, To counteract these lies is to read scripture. Because this thing is truth. This thing is truth. It says you are created in the image of God. It says if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. It says he binds up the wounds of the brokenhearted. It's truth. The devil does not want you to read scripture. Because it enables you to counteract his lies. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus wants to give you life. He wants you to have abundant life, but the devil does not want that. So he's going to tell you, oh, you're too tired to read the scripture. You're too tired to talk to Jesus. You're too tired to hear from him. Because he knows that that's the best way to attack you. And we see this in Matthew chapter four. You know, Jesus himself had to use scripture to counteract the lies of the devil. Okay, it says this. It says, then Jesus was, or Jesus would." It was led up by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So Jesus was tempted just like us. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, like that sounds so much like the devil, right? Like you hear that all the time. If God really loved you, if you were really a good Christian, then you wouldn't be feeling down right now. You wouldn't be feeling depressed. If you are the Son of God, he says, then command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, what did he do? He, Jesus went to scripture. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by, every, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So when Jesus was tempted, he dug deep into his spiritual reserves. This is God, okay? Digging deep into his spiritual reserves that uh, were built up through uh, memorizing the scripture and, and reading the scripture. And he fought the devil with this. So I'm here to tell you tonight, if you want to continue to grow in the Lord. Maybe you've had an encounter with him at some point this semester, maybe last semester, or maybe at fall retreat. If you want to continue to grow in him and find freedom from the devil's schemes, then you have to develop the discipline of reading scripture so that you can fight off his attacks. If you don't have this discipline, and Bible reading already established, I encourage you, it's really simple. You don't have to like, guys, I'm not asking you to to read the whole Old Testament and then tell me all about it next week. All you have to do is start with a chapter a day, or start with a verse of the day on the Bible app if that's what you've got to do to start out. But I encourage you to start with a chapter a day, and specifically, if you need to know where to read, start in the Gospel of Mark. It's only 16 chapters, it's the story of Jesus. So if you read a chapter a day, you get that sucker done in two weeks and you feel like a million bucks, right? And that helps you to keep going. So start with the Gospel of Mark and begin to read one chapter a day. So, in summary, this woman has this powerful encounter with Jesus. Something happened. And we don't see it in scripture, but something happened that caused her to come back to him and and to weep at his feet and to pour out love on him. And her example shows us that an encounter with Jesus can't just stay there. You have to keep coming back for more. You have to keep coming back each and every day through daily Bible reading, through prayer, through worship, through small groups, through services, like all these other things too. But if you want to stay connected to Jesus, you have to develop these disciplines. You can't, or we can't live on our emotions because our emotions are fleeting and they're actually lying to us half the time, all right? But the scripture passage shows us something else, too. So let's read verses 41 and 47, or through 47. So he, he tells a story about two debtors. Okay, so one owes 500 denarii, and the other owes 50. And they're both forgiven. And he says, who's going, to, uh, or who's going to love him more? And Simon answers, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt, obviously. And he turns towards the woman, he says, do you see this woman? I entered her house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears, and she's wiped them with her hair, and you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. And he goes on and on, and he says, therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven loves little. So Jesus explains to this Pharisee, he says that the reason that she was so devoted to him was she was forgiven of so much, and when you're forgiven of so much, it causes you to have gratefulness in your heart to the one who forgave you. So, the key to loving God over the long run is to realize how much He loves you and how much He gave up for you. So, we don't try to earn God's love, but instead we experience His love. We have a download of His love, and then, we're, and then we respond to that love. So, this is my last point of the night. If we want to stay devoted to Jesus, we must be continually moved by the things He's done for us or by what He has done for us. So it's really interesting. If you look at the story, and you pay attention, there's, there's such a stark contrast between Simon and the woman. So uh, Simon is the one who invites Jesus over, right? But he did not give him the treatment of a guest. In this culture, it's expected that if, that when your guest comes in, you give them water for their feet, because they're stinky, like I said earlier. Like, those are nasty feet. Like, you smelled some stinky feet in your day, but it did not compare to Jesus' feet. Those things stunk but he did not give Jesus the water. On the other hand, the woman comes in and she weeps at his feet. She intends to wash his feet, but she ends up actually washing them with her tears. And then as the host, Simon was also expected to, or to give him a kiss. Like That's why we kiss here, guys. I'm kidding, we don't kiss. Sometimes we do, but uh, if we're really close. But you're expected to give a kiss of welcome. I'm just playing, calm down. So he did not give Jesus this gift. But on the other hand, the woman doesn't just kiss Jesus on the cheek. She kisses his feet. And finally, as the host Simon was supposed to anoint Jesus' head with oil, but he doesn't do that. But the woman comes in and anoints uh, Jesus' feet with the most expensive perfume. So Jesus contrasts these two because he wants to show the difference between someone who realizes all that they've been forgiven of and someone who doesn't. Simon felt like he had earned God's love. He felt like he was pretty dang good, and he had earned God's acceptance and love through living an upright and religious life. He did not realize the sin. He did or did not realize all that God had done for him, so he didn't have gratitude in his heart. He was prideful. On the other hand, this woman who knew she deserved nothing from Jesus and yet received extravagant forgiveness and acceptance, this caused her to respond by laying it all down at Jesus' feet. There's such a difference between the two. So tonight I want to ask you a question. Do you feel like you're Simon or the woman? Do you love Jesus so much that every morning you want to lay at his feet and cry out to him? Are you too concerned with the things that you're doing? Are you too concerned with your agenda? Do you feel like you're a pretty good person, like you kind of earned some of his love? Like, like you're a pretty good Christian. So when you consider that, and guys, sometimes I'm Simon, Right? Like, actually, that's kind of my story. I've told my story a few times, but for me growing up, like, I thought I was, like, Simon, like, I am the bee's knees. Like, I'm awesome when it comes to my religion. Like, I was way more Christian than my friends. I played drums on the worship team when I was 10. Like, come on, that's a record, but I sucked. Let's be honest. But anyways, I played drums on the worship team. I was in a youth group. I was really involved in all these things, and I really didn't understand that God had to forgive me of anything. Like, I thought, I'm pretty dang good. But then I got to high school, I began to party and, and drink and, and, and fool around with girls and look at pornography and all these things began to come in my life and I realized I had this revelation of just how deeply flawed I was. And for me, my story was that I had to kind of go down that road to really understand God's love. That doesn't have to be everybody, right? Like you don't have to go down this road of, of kind of rolling around with the pigs and, and choosing all the wrong things to realize how much God has loved you, like you don't have to do that, but for me, that was my story. And then when I realized that God loved me despite all the things I had done, it caused me to be recklessly devoted to Him. Because it's like, holy cow, I don't deserve any of this. I'm really screwed up. So I got to give everything to Him because He forgave me of these grievous, grievous sins. And for some of us, it's harder to fall or to fall in love with Jesus in this way because we haven't really given in to these grievous sins. Like maybe you've never drank a drop of alcohol. Maybe you've never looked at pornography. Maybe you've never uh, uh, had any sexual uh, relations outside of marriage. And, and for you, it might be harder to experience this love because you kind of feel like, I've been a pretty good kid. I've been a pretty good Christian for my whole life. And because you don't really feel like you've been forgiven much, you don't really love that much sometimes. But despite this, despite this difficulty, I want to tell you tonight that it's not impossible to grasp God's love when you have that kind of story. Like when you have the story of just kind of, you know, growing up in church, following Jesus, like not really giving in to all the sins of the world, but just kind of following him. Like that doesn't have to be your story where uh, you have that experience and then you don't really understand what he's done for you. There's ways to grasp everything that God has done for you. And there's really two ways. The first thing is this. If that's your story tonight, like you were just a pretty good kid growing up, God's per- protected you from sin and things like that. Like, the way to experience gratitude in your heart like this woman did is to, is to marvel at the fact that God protected you from those things. Like, if your story is that you've just always followed Jesus, that is beautiful. That is wonderful. I pray that for my baby girl who's coming in two weeks. I pray that she doesn't have to go down the road that I went down. And that's incredible. I pray that that would, like, totally knock you off your feet. And be like, oh my goodness, God protected me from all these things that all my friends have fallen into. That should cause gratitude to well up in your heart. But there's a second way, too, to, or to kind of get this truth in your heart that God has forgiven you of, of so much. And that's to, or to read Scripture. So again, I'm talking about reading Scripture. Like tonight, if you came in and you haven't been reading your Bible, you're like, dang, dog. I'm talking about it so much. I feel convicted. I feel like it's so important. I just said dog. I haven't said that in a long time. but, uh, <laughs> But but the way to realize God's love for you is to read scripture and to read these truths like the fact that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Or how about the fact that at the same time that each of us were sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Like these truths, you read these truths every day and they get inside your spirit and you're like, oh my goodness, this story is incredible. But if you don't read it, you can never see these stories for yourself. You might hear me talk about it, but it's not the same if you read it just not the same. If I share it with you, it's great. But when you read it for yourself, it, it's going to transform you. It's going to cause gratitude to well up in your heart. So I came up with the, uh, this little cycle right here. I'm going to put it up on the screen. If, so I drew those arrows, as you can see. <laughs> I did this at like four o'clock, so have mercy on me, all right? So, so Jesus wants us to get into the cycle where we become devoted to him for a lifetime. And there's a couple of different ways you can enter the cycle, okay? So the first way is like you understand that, that God has, has done so much for you. You experience his forgiveness, like you didn't grow up in church maybe, and, and you've been living life your own way, and then God shows up and tells you how loved you are and how forgiven you are. That causes gratitude to well up in your heart, so then you begin to read the Bible daily and you begin to keep saying that in Scripture, and then it causes you to keep understanding how much God loves you, and then it caused you to be filled with gratitude, so on and so forth, okay? So for some of us who didn't grow up in church or had a, a bad past, like, like the main way we enter is through first understanding God's forgiveness and love, okay? But, or, but for others of us, if you grew up in church, if you don't really feel like you've done a whole lot, like you haven't really sinned grievously, like another way to enter into this devotion cycle is to start with a daily time with God. So maybe you're not feeling the gratitude. Like maybe you're not like, wow, I've been forgiven so much. Like maybe you hear my story and you're like, dang, like that's not my story. Like I didn't do any of that. Like I've been living pretty good. Start by reading the scripture. If you grew up in church and you don't read the scripture, first of all, I want to talk to your pastor and say, why didn't you tell them to read the scripture? Maybe he did, but you just didn't listen to him. But you should read it because this is what transforms you. So you spend that daily time with God and then you see these truths that I talked about, that like Jesus died for us, all these things, and it causes gratitude to be filled in your heart. And you keep reading the Bible, you keep spending time with him. It's just the cycle. So guys, I go through a cycle all the time. Like sometimes I kind of forget what God saved me from. And I'm reading my Bible. I'm being faithful. I'm spending time with him. I may be feeling dry. But then he shows me something in scripture. He shows me how much he forgave me. Causes gratitude to well up in my heart. And then I keep spending time with him. I'm I'm reminded again of how much he forgave me. It's just this cycle. And if you can get into the cycle, if you can get into the cycle, then you're going to be devoted to God for a lifetime. But here's the thing. A lot of us want to just do the first two parts. We don't want to do the daily time with God, if we're honest. But if you want to go the distance, if you want to be 60, or 60 years old and still following Jesus, then you have to get this daily discipline. You have to begin to read your Bible, and not just reading your Bible, but also praying and worshiping and also coming to Chi Alpha, going to small groups, like all these different things. You need to get these disciplines in your life. And when you do this, it's going to cause you to be recklessly devoted to God. So the main idea tonight, again, is this. An encounter with Jesus causes us to be fiercely devoted to him. So the worship team can come up. So I think every one of us is somewhere in this devotion cycle. Um, like, go back to the picture. So, so some of us are like over there. Like we're not in the cycle actually, but we're on the page, right? <laughs> some of us are maybe like, like you're being faithful, you're reading the Bible, and, and you're struggling with really having love in your heart towards God. And we're all somewhere on there. And I just kind of want to speak to different people tonight. I prayed before, I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, Holy Spirit, can you help me to see who's going to be here tonight? And this is what he gave me, so let's see what happens, all right? So I think some of us came in here tonight, and you're not in the cycle at all, okay? So you're like off there, like you're hanging out, you're looking in there like, I don't know how these people like love Jesus that much. And you don't even know if you trust Jesus as your Savior, you've never prayed a prayer to accept him into your life, or maybe you have, but it didn't really change anything. And I want to give you, I encourage you tonight to give Jesus a chance. Give him an opportunity to reveal himself to you. So I'm going to tell the story of Jesus again. I've done it every single week so far. And now you see why I do it every week. If the cycle's still up there, I'm pointing back there. But because I want you to understand how much he loves you. Like even, like every week I share this because even those of you who have heard me say, like some of you have heard me share the gospel like a hundred times because you've been here for a while. And I share it every week because it should never get old, okay? So I'm going to share it again. 2,000 years ago, starting back then, we're going to go all the way through church history. No, I'm kidding. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, he walked the earth. He walked the streets of Jerusalem. You can go there now and see places that Jesus, the historical figure, this real person walked the earth. And this guy lived the human life. He he got dirt on his feet so much so that they had to wash him when he came into places. Like he was a real person with stinky feet. Like this was Jesus, all right? He lived in real space and time. But here's the reality. He was also God. Like if you notice in this scripture passage, Simon doesn't say anything. Jesus reads his thoughts. and says, I know this is what you're thinking. So at the same time that he's man, he's God. And before he came to earth, he was in heaven with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit experiencing profound intimacy with God. Like he was in this incredible thing called the Trinity, which we still don't understand, let's be honest. But he's experiencing this profound community and intimacy. And then he sees that a man has fallen short of the glory of God, right? And God's like, "All right, Jesus, you're up. It's your turn." He sends him down into earth. He's born. He lives the human life. He lives perfectly. He goes into the wilderness and fasts for forty days and forty nights, and is tempted by the devil, but he never sins once. Like I've been in those wilderness seasons, like where like the devil is tempting me, and most of the time I'm like, "Okay, devil," like I'm just being honest. Like you've been there, right? Where the devil is just attacking you, and you just give into it. But Jesus said, "No." He said, man does not live by bread alone. So he lives this perfect life. And then he's rewarded by being put up on a cross, right? And, and don't just let that be spoken to you. Don't let that just kind of come in and bounce off your chest. Like the son of God, he's been for all of eternity. He's been here since the very beginning. He goes up on a cross and has nails, these rusty nails put into his hands for us. He pays the sinner's death or dead on a cross. He goes into the grave and then he rises from the dead three days later. He declares death, sin, hell, and the grave defeated. And this isn't just like something we say, like, like seriously, there's no explanation for it. Like historians cannot wrap their head around what happened to Jesus in Nazareth because he wasn't in the tomb and a bunch of people reported of seeing him. 500 people at once said they saw Jesus in the flesh. So God gets up from the grave and then walks around earth again. And for the last 2,000 years, the church has been advancing in the midst of persecution and opposition. Like, you know how the church is opposed today in America. Let's be honest. It's opposed. It's not persecuted. I will not say that, but it's opposed. And, and the church continues to push forward and, and people begin uh, to walk a new life. Every single day, someone puts their faith in Jesus and they're completely transformed. God gives people prophetic words for other people like he gave Al, or gave Sean for Allie and says, Allie, I saw you when you were five years old. Or whenever, or whenever it happened, I saw you when you touched your back as a little girl and I want to heal you tonight. Like he continues to impact people's lives for 2,000 years. And God's calling us to get caught up in that, to get caught up in this story of, of being impacted by him, of encountering him and then being devoted to him. So not just encountering him, being excited about it, but then actually living our lives in submission and devotion to Jesus so we can change the world. That's what he's calling us into. So I pray tonight that it, like, because I talked about, you know, being devoted to Jesus and experiencing his love, I pray that if you never experienced that, that tonight that you would, perhaps for the first time. And there's others of us tonight, and you're a Christian, you've begun to dip your toe into this devotion cycle, you've experienced Jesus, you've experienced his forgiveness, and you're beginning to fall in love with him. However, if you want to sustain your relationship with him, you have to start being disciplined. You have to be disciplined. There's no other way about it. You cannot live from emotion to emotion. It just won't work, guys. I'm gonna be honest with you. There's quite a few students that I baptized in water that don't follow Jesus anymore. Like nothing keeps me up at night more than that. Like, when I say, John, give like it by profession of your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I baptize them. They come about. They say, I'm going to walk a new life. And then six months later, they're not following Jesus. There's nothing more that rips my heart apart. I do not want that to be your story. But it will be if you don't develop these disciplines. It will be if you don't have your own relationship with Jesus. It cannot be funneled through me. It cannot be funneled through your smaller computer. You have to have your own relationship with Jesus. So tonight, if you experience this forgiveness, if you've experienced this gratitude, I pray that you would get into the daily Bible time with God so that this can continue for your whole life. And finally, there's others of you. Like you've believed in Jesus, you know all the right things. Like you assent to the uh, beliefs of Christianity. But if you're honest, your heart has not truly been gripped by Jesus yet. You haven't really fallen in love with him. Tonight, I wanna encourage you, pursue him even when you don't feel it and eventually the feelings will come eventually they'll come as you read your word as you pray to him as you seek him i just believe that there's nothing more that just that warms the father's heart than someone who hasn't had all the experiences like you've never had a healing you never had a prophetic word you've never been uh, just so overwhelmed in worship but you continue to pursue him like i think that just moves god's heart so i encourage you tonight keep pursuing him and the emotions will follow okay so if you would stand with me we're gonna pray God is calling us to be a community who does not live on emotion. We have the emotions. We love emotions here at Alpha, but but doesn't just live off the emotions, but a community that says, even when everything is hitting the fan, I'm going to continue pursuing Christ because I can't get enough of him. So if you bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to give you opportunity to respond tonight. So the first way is this. If you're here and you are not following Jesus, you haven't been, or maybe you once did, but you haven't been walking in that recently, I want to give you an opportunity to just make a a commitment to him, or perhaps a recommitment. So if that's you, I'm just going to count to three, and I want you to slip up your hands so I can pray for you. So one, two, three, slip up your hands all across this room. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Is there anybody else tonight? Right, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. There's nothing special about it. I'm just going to pray a prayer of repentance and asking Jesus to be our Lord. Jesus, we come to you tonight and we ask you to be our king, to be our Lord. It says in Romans 10, if we confess with our mouth that you're Lord and believe in our hearts that you were raised from the dead, then we'll be saved. So tonight we confess with our mouth that you're Lord and we believe in our hearts that you were raised from the dead. God, I pray that there be a newness of life that happens in each of us. That just as 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, it says that if anyone's in Christ then he's a new creation and the old is gone and the new has come. So God, I pray right now that you do that all across this room, in Jesus' name. All right, and then there's a second way. And I know we typically all raise our hands for this one, cause it's kind of like the, it's kind of a general thing, but I really want you to mean it tonight if you raise your hand, okay? And that's this. If you came tonight and you're a Christian, but if you're honest, you haven't developed a discipline, if you haven't been walking with Jesus daily, you've just been living off of experience to experience, and tonight you want to make a commitment that says, Jesus, I'm not just here for the hype, I'm here for the relationship. If that's you, can you slip up your hands so I can pray for you? Okay, tons of hands going up. Jesus, I pray that this community would be a community who's built on the rock of Jesus. God, I pray that that when our emotions begin to rage, when they begin to tell us that that you don't love us, when they begin to tell us that life's not good, when they begin to tell us that, that you don't have a plan for us or there's no point in living. God, I pray that each of us would say, no, the truth of scripture says that that I was created in the image of God. It says that even when I was in my mother's womb, God knew me and he was knitting me together. God, I pray that this would be a community who stands on truth. In Jesus' name, amen.